Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us for the 539 Church Podcast. 539 is a church in Goodyear Heights seeking to invite people into Jesus's family. If you're in the Northeast Ohio area, we'd love to have you join us for one of our Sunday morning gatherings. For more information about us, including our service times, address, and live stream information, please go to 539.church or look us up on Facebook or Instagram. And Merry Christmas. It is good to see all of you here. We are right in the middle of a series that we are calling Holiday Survival Guide. That the holidays do not have to be a time where there's tension and stress and bickering, uh, but it really can be an incredible time of joy and harmony and just a unity with family and friends and loved ones. And so if you get a chance, uh, we're running low, but man, go out afterwards, go to the welcome bar, grab one of these holiday survival guide booklets and go through it with uh, maybe your family, friends, loved ones, an enemy, I don't know, just go through it with somebody and uh, I think you will enjoy it. Uh, it's uh, the uh, staff at 539 has put this together and they've done a great job. So, well, let me just say this. Tis the season to break out the ugly Christmas sweaters, okay? Right? Am I right? Okay? So how many of you here have an ugly Christmas sweater? Just raise your hand. Okay? A few of you. All right. Here's the question this morning. If you could wear a sweater that best reflects your current attitude or mood during this holiday season, what would it look like? I mean, would it be like dark, satanic, <laughs> or would it be, would it be cheerful and, and delightful? What would it look like? Um, I, I just heard this past week someone say, I just want to get through the holidays. And maybe you feel that way too. But also maybe this holiday could be one of the best holidays that we have ever experienced in our life. Just by what we are wearing. Just by what we put on. I don't know if you've thought through that, but I've entitled the message this morning, What to Wear for the Holidays. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and you've kind of got this bah humbug attitude. And sadly, that's probably what you have chosen to put on during this holiday season. Because not everyone dreads this time of year. Not everyone is stressed or has family or relative issues. As a matter of fact, I love this kind time of year. I love being with family. I love being with relatives. Um, I love spending time just being reminded again of our Savior's birth. That, that we sometimes are so busy just to come back and reflect of who he is and what he's done. I certainly love giving gifts, and I certainly love receiving them. I love going and looking at Christmas decorations, and I even love listening to Christian music, uh, Christmas music, as long as it doesn't start in October, okay? Because, I mean, it's just like way, way too much, and so I do enjoy this time of year. And maybe that attitude comes with wearing or putting on the right thing. And it might surprise you, but you're not going to find what we put on and wear in your closet at home. Especially what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, meet me, if you would, in Philippians 2 this morning. And as you're turning there, let me just say that you will not find a better perspective on what to put on or what to wear, not only during this holiday season, but throughout the year, than you will in Philippians chapter 2. 
Now, I don't know how many of you have been through the, uh, the letter of Philippians. It's an incredible letter. Let me give you a little background. Paul writes this letter. The Apostle Paul writes this letter to the church of Philippi. He loves these people. These are believers in the church of Philippi. He longs to see them, and he sees them as a family, kind of like 539, that we're in this together. Now, if you've read through Philippians, you know that it seems like there's this running theme uh, of joy that goes throughout Philippians, the finding of joy and the living out of joy, the expressing of the joy that we have in Christ with others. We, we definitely see that. But Paul takes it up a notch, and he pleads with these believers in Philippi that they would put on the sweater of harmony, that there's something that's going on in the church, whether it's internal or external conflict that's going on, and it's rising to the surface, and it's beginning to affect the unity of the church. And so Paul says, let's put on that sweater of harmony. Look at Philippians 2, verses 1 to 5. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others more important than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. There is a plea here for the church in Philippi and for 539 and for your immediate family that there would be harmony. Would you say that word with me? Harmony. Okay, it was terrible. Uh, we're going to give it another run, okay? Uh, harmony. Yeah, yeah, harmony. Isn't that what all of us desire, not just during this holiday season, but every season of our lives? I heard a story that back early in the 1900s, some of you were there, I'm sure, but early in the 1900s, um, there was a, a town uh, that gathered together at a town hall meeting, 517 people gathered together to determine what they were going to name their town. And so everyone came in, and everyone had the smiles, and, but everybody had different opinions and attitudes, and before long, tensions were running high, and people were throwing tempers, and it got really hot real quick in there. And all of a sudden, one of the men in charge banged his fist on the table, and he says, people, people, we need harmony. To which it got very quiet. And all of a sudden, everybody realized what they needed to call their town. And so today, you will see Harmony, Minnesota, and that is because of them deciding to name their town that. Harmony. There is something about a church. There is something about a family. There's something about a ball team or a business or a marriage that strives to put harmony first. Notice what Paul does as he says, put on the wardrobe of harmony. Notice Paul sets this up in verses 1 and 2. He says, so if, and some translations might say since, since or if you have any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation or fellowship in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy or compassion, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, 
being in full accord and of one mind or purpose. Notice what they have received in Christ. Uh, Paul is saying, you have received all of this. All that we just read, you have received. Uh, the moment you put your trust in Christ for the forgiveness of sin, you've received some things. And there are four things here that they automatically received. That we begin a vertical relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a relationship that is so different than the relationships of this world. And it's a relationship that at one time we were enemies with God, but now he calls us friend. And so he says, you have these things. You've been given these things already. One of them that they've been given is they've been encouraged by belonging to Christ. They have had that. And friends, you've had that too. Can you recall a time in your life where you were encouraged by Christ? Maybe it was from his word. Maybe it was an answer prayer. Maybe it was how he encouraged you and motivated you to kind of get up and do something. But you were encouraged by Christ. They had been encouraged by Christ. They also had been comforted by his love. They've been comforted by Christ's love. How many of you would say, I can think of a time when I was comforted by Christ's love? I was, I was struggling. I was broken. I was, I was at the end of myself, and I was, I was grieving. And God had a way of coming around and giving me a comfort that this world can never. Paul's saying, you have that available to you. That is yours, and that is ours as well. He says, since you have experienced the fellowship of the Spirit of God. And they had. Uh, sharing those things in common with Christ, which brings peace and harmony, that at one time we were out of fellowship with the Lord, and now that we put our trust in Him, there's this koinonia, this close fellowship that we have with Him. And we've experienced that here as well. And then he says, since you have experienced the affection and sympathy or compassion of God, and they had, they had experienced that. And I hope you've experienced the compassion of God. Maybe you've said this, Lord, this is the last time. I'm never doing this again. I'm finished. It's over. I'm not going back. Only for our promises to just kind of drop and we go back. And how many times have we sensed the compassion and the affection of God that draws us in? And he doesn't want us to stay that way. He wants us to change, but we have sensed his affection. We've sensed his compassion. Paul says, uh, you already have all of these things to produce harmony in your life, but you have opted not to put it on. You've opted not to wear it, and because of that, it's affecting you, and it's affecting others as well. When the focal point of our life is Jesus, it will be reflected in our words, in our actions, and in our attitude. Follow me, if you would. Uh, picture a triangle. I know geometry. It was really hard. But picture a triangle, and in the middle of that triangle is harmony. Say that with me. In the middle of that triangle is harmony. How do I best display harmony when I walk in during this holiday and there's somebody there I have tension with? How do I display harmony to somebody that I do not get along with and I have issues with and I have to go to this Christmas 
office party. Harmony is in the middle. Words, actions, attitude. That harmony is best displayed in our life through our words, through our actions, through our attitude. Paul said, you have received all of these things because of Christ. So there should be harmony in your life. And that is demonstrated in your words, in your actions, and in your attitude. Not just in this season, but in every season of our life. Well, what does it mean to be in harmony with one another? Paul tells us in verse 3, he says, Complete my joy, or make my day, by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind or purpose. We all have differences in here. Okay? You will have differences with the people that you meet during this holiday season. Is that true? There are people, you can think of them right now, that you have differences with. But don't let those differences divide us. But rather have the attitude that Paul gives us, and let's be of one mind. Let's, let's make sure that we're of one mind. May the mind of Christ my Savior live in me from day to day. Let's have the right mind. He says, make sure that you have the right love or the right heart. That I'm demonstrating that. See, it is easy to show love to people that we know and love. But it is hard to show love to people that we're like, I don't like you. I don't like you at all. And so, one mind, one love. Maybe you know the verse, John 13, 35. By this all people will know you're my disciples if you snub one another. Is that what it says? No, if you love one another. If you love one another. So uh, that we would have the same mind and we would have the same heart or the same love and we would have the same purpose. That we are working together for God's kingdom, not ours. I mean, that would be just a beautiful thing that you could even do with your kids this, this Christmas season of just saying, hey, just let's make sure that as a family we're of one mind and one heart and one purpose. And all of a sudden we begin to see and put on that, that sweater of harmony. The interesting thing about harmony is you recognize it immediately when it's apparent that it's not there. Now, now let me say that again. The thing about harmony is you recognize it immediately when it's apparent that it's not there. Picture seven synchronized swimmers, and six of them are in unison. The arms are raised at the same time. The leg, I can't do it. The leg is raised at the same time. I mean, when they're turning to the right, they're all turning the same way. But there is that seventh person that's in the pool with them. And it's like, what? They're, they're not on the same page. And so as they're swimming to the right, they're swimming to the left. As they go under the water, the person is kind of doing this outside of the water. And it's, you can tell when there's disharmony. And you can see it. You can see when there is not harmony going on. Several years ago, I had gone to a baseball game, uh, Akron Arrows, before they uh, uh, became the Rubber Ducks. And the seventh inning stretch, you know what I'm talking about, the seventh inning stretch where everybody sings, take me out to the ball game. I mean, it's great. And I love that time. Don't care for baseball, but I love that song. And, and I remember everyone standing up and singing, Take me out to the ball. And there were some college guys behind us. And they purposely were singing off tune. They were, take 
me out of the... And they wrecked it, immediately wrecked it. And I just wanted to turn around and just strangle them in Christian love, you know. And I just thought, they, they took what was, was to be harmony and they blew it out of the water. And it quickly became disharmony. There's going to be a come a time this holiday season. You're going to walk into a room. And you're going to be there either with your immediate family or your extended family. It might be office Christmas party. It might be something else. And you're going to walk into the room and there's going to be somebody there that you have had tension with. Are you with me? You got them already in your mind? Okay. And, and you're there and you feel the tension and you see them. They see you and you see them and you're thinking, oh, Lord, please let the rapture occur. I do not want to spend time with them. And maybe there's been a misunderstanding Things were said that shouldn't have been said. Things were done that shouldn't have been done. But there's a misunderstanding that has brought tension, an issue. Maybe they hurt you in some way and you've been keeping score now for the last couple months or years. Or they ghosted you. Or maybe they're annoying. Or maybe you're annoying. Okay. Maybe you've been holding a grudge towards that person. And you walk in, and when you walk into the room, you already have a what? An attitude. You've got a chip on your shoulder. You've got an attitude. And you're like, there's a tension that needs attention. And so what do we usually do? We usually, when there's somebody in a room that we don't care for, or somebody that we have an issue with, we will avoid them at all costs, won't we? just avoid them. I don't want to talk with them. I don't want to be with them. And we let our differences become the focal point and it lingers all day long. And we let that person and the elephant in the room dictate the day. And before we go any further, if you have that person in your mind, then you may be thinking this. Is there a tension that needs attention? Is there a tension right now between that person that needs attention? Because until you tend to it, there will not be harmony between you. If we're truly wanting harmony this holiday season, we need to put on and wear in what Paul has in verses 3 to 5. Listen to what he says. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not only look to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And there are three incredible qualities to wear this holiday season, but let me just say this. These are not easy to put on. They're not easy to put on. But if we can put them on, there will be a harmony in our life, and hopefully with others, that we will see the results of that. Here's the first one. Humbly give others priority. You're like, what? Humbly give others priority in verse 3. When Jesus is first place in your life, that puts you in third place. Not second place, but third place. It's Jesus, others, and you. And let me just say that is tough. 
that is very difficult because that does not come naturally. It only comes supernaturally in our life. Because I want to come before anyone else. And sometimes, maybe you've done this, you even want to come before Jesus. And so Paul is saying, humbly give others priority. Because many of us have the mindset that we should come first before anyone else. Everybody look up here. You don't always have to be first. You don't always have to get your way. Okay? You don't always have to be first in line. But that involves humbling ourselves. And that is a word that we love for other people to do, but we don't want to do it ourselves. Paul says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Selfish ambition is, we, is when we want to put others down. And conceit is when we want to build ourselves up. <clears throat> you know, uh, what gets in the way of harmonious relationships is when we put on the sweater of me, myself, and I. And it can be ugly. And how many of you, just with a raise of hands, have put on that sweater of me, myself, and I? Yeah, eight of you. The rest of you are liars. We've all done this. We all wear that sweater at times, don't we? Where it's like, I want to be first. I want to have say. I want to, I, look at me. Look at me. And I have worn that sweater. And there's a time where it feels good. But there won't be harmony. I'm reminded of the story of a mother who was making pancakes for her boys. Uh, Kevin was six years old and Ryan was four. And the boys began to argue over who was going to be the first to get the pancake. And the mom thought, this is a great teaching time for my boys. So she sat the boys down and she said, now boys, listen. She said, if Jesus were sitting here, do you know what he would say? He would say, let my brother have the first pancake. I can wait. To which Kevin turned to Ryan and said, Ryan, you be Jesus. Okay. Okay. And isn't that us? <clears throat> isn't that us? We want people to demonstrate Jesus to us, but we're not willing to humble ourselves and demonstrate Jesus to others. Paul says, but in humility, count others more significant than yourself. I have to cough. <coughs> <coughs> thank you. <laughs> I'm saying thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> um, the word humble, the word humble means to bow, to submit, to relinquish your rights <clears throat> for the sake of building others up rather than tearing them down. So I, I'm, I'm sitting here and I see Matt Young who's here today. And Matt, I, I've Matt Young and I were in Kiev, Ukraine a number of years ago. And uh, we had a missionary friend that was in Kiev, Ukraine. And I, I don't remember if you were there or not. I think you were. And we were asked if we wanted to go to a Ukrainian monastery. And there was about 100 monks in this monastery that would roam the fields and roam the area. And it was just a massive area. And uh, it's just filled with tradition and it's filled with history. And so we said, yeah, we'd love to go. But when you come to the monastery, the door that you enter into is only about five feet. And in order to get into that monastery, you need to what? I'm 6'4". You need to bow. You need to humble yourself before the Lord. I think that's what we need to do if we're to have harmony with one another. James 4.10 says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. 
So as we humbly give ourselves, or as we humbly give others priority, we brighten their day, we lift their heavy burdens, we fill their empty hearts, and guess what? That has absolutely nothing to do with us and everything to do with them. People may not remember what you said, and they may not remember what you did, but they're never, ever going to forget the way you made them feel. And if we can humble ourselves and let them have priority, things change. Things change for all of us. It's amazing how God will use us when we're willing to take third place. Let me give you a second one. Is display a servant's heart. Verse 4, look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. When, when all we think of is ourselves, there's no room left to serve others. Try doing this this holiday season. When you walk into the room and you see that person you don't necessarily get along with and they're sitting down, stand up and walk over to them and say, hey, can I get you anything while I'm up? Talk about an attitude change. So quick their attitude will change because you have taken the role of being a servant and just asking them, do they want anything? During the holidays, our, our, all roads should lead to serving one another because it's service, not serve us. So, uh, quick story. Joseph Stoll, who used to be the president at Moody Bible Institute, his office was on the seventh floor of Crow Hall. He was in the basement one day and went to hit the elevator button, the elevator door button, uh, uh, the elevator door open, and a lady, a, a small little Latino lady is, uh, is standing there. She works for the maintenance department, and she's wiping off the smudge marks from the students. And Joseph Stoll looks at her and thinks, wow, she could use some help. And it's like the Spirit of God said, Joseph Stoll, though you're the president of Moody, you can jump in and you can help, and you can serve. So he grabbed a rag, and he's doing up top where she can't reach, and she's doing down below, and the elevator's going up, and, and it opens, and first floor, and there's a ton of students, and the students look in, and they're like, there's Joseph Stoll, the president of Moody Bible Institute, wiping down the smudge marks from students, and they're afraid to get in the elevator. The doors close, they go to the second floor, doors open, students are there, again, they look at Joseph Stoll, He's helping this Latino lady. She's down below. Floor after floor after floor. Got up to the seventh floor. Gave the lady the rag. Thanked her and didn't think anything of it. A week later, he was down in the basement. Hit the elevator button. Elevator open. There's that Latina woman again. He said, how are you doing these days? She said, oh, I'm getting a lot of help. I'm getting a lot of help. <clears throat> Why? Because we best lead by example. We best lead by example. And so this Christmas season, this holiday season, will you be a servant to somebody? It's easy to serve people that we know and love, but it is difficult to serve people who we may not like. Serve one another. Last one. Number three. <clears throat> show the world a different attitude. Show the world a different attitude. Verse 5, have the same attitude of that of Christ Jesus. Have you noticed something about our world? There's a lot of people who have a stinky attitude. 
A lot of people in our world have bad attitudes. So if we're to have the attitude of Christ Jesus, then what a great time to be able to show that, to display harmony to a lost world. Especially that person that we don't really get along with, what kind of attitude will you show to them? Will it be like the world, or will it be something different? May our attitude be in line with Christ's attitude. May our attitude be one that will draw people closer to the Lord, not further away. Many, many look to the holiday season of what they can get, what I can receive. And it causes people to become uneasy and selfish, and there's tension. <clears throat> Listen, we're all selfish. How many of you are selfish? Raise your hand. Yeah, yes, you are. You are selfish. And so am I. We're all selfish. And yet when we can demonstrate a humble spirit, and we can demonstrate a servant's heart, it creates an attitude that is different from the world. Have you ever noticed when Jesus spoke in the gospel, he also often spoke in things that are reversed to that of the world? The world has their perspective, the world has their say, and yet when Jesus spoke, he turned things upside down. For instance, he would say this, you gain when you lose, you get when you give, you live when you die, you become great when you serve, <clears throat> you end up first when you're willing to be last. You become strongest when you admit your weakness. This holiday season can be a great time where we strive to have the same mind, the same love, the same purpose. And in doing so, people will be attracted to what we are wearing. And so the question this morning is this. What are you going to wear this holiday season? Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this morning. Ask, Lord, that you would help each one of us. Lord, we are picturing people that maybe right now we have an issue with. Help us to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Help us to be willing to be the Jesus Christ in their life. Help us to be willing to serve them and humble ourselves and to have a Christ-like attitude with them. And in doing so, maybe we can lead them to Christ. But may we be different from what the world portrays. Thank you, Lord, that we would be of one mind and one love and one spirit, one purpose together. May we wear this Christmas season that which you would be honored by. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.